had some stops. Uh, we pin them down, maybe provide a short field for our offense. We'd had maybe two or three consecutive stops. And so um, I just wanted to keep the momentum going uh, in, in terms of field positioning, uh, but we weren't good enough in terms of doing that. Mike Tomlin, I love you. You are a great football coach. You have done a lot in this game, some big moments, some great moments this season. You are wrong. You were wrong. <laughs> and I speak for my co-host, Marcus Mosier. This is a podcast, the Game Day Podcast. Welcome, by the way. That does not endorse punting on fourth and one, especially in that situation. There are some weird coaching decisions. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the vacancies. We'll talk about some of the uh, opportunities here, whether it's coaches or um, even the NFL spots that we like the best, we like the least. Uh, and we'll also tap into the draft. And oh, by the way, Marcus, we've got some picks to make. My friend, how you doing? Doing well. That was a lot of fun. I don't think I could ever go back to just four games on wildcard weekend. Six is just fantastic. That's just a great week of football. Oh, it was a great week of football. It was awesome. My picks stunk. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but before I do, a reminder, guys, uh, you can get the Game Day podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And go to thegameday.com, see what prices you can grab. Uh, it's been an interesting few weeks of line movement and prices and everything else. There's some great, fun lines. We don't have three games uh, Marcus, but we do have two both days. And this is one of my favorite sports weekend of the year. And I'm really, really excited about these. Our picks, um, one in five for me, 26 and 23 on the year, three and three for you, Marcus, 31, 28. Look, I've got to own this. That I had one of those gambling uh, weekends where you get in the middle of it. By the end of like Saturday night, you're like a, a boxer, right? You know this, Mark, when you're, mm -hmm. no matter what you do, you're back on your heels. You're getting punched in the face. You go to what got you there. We've had some great weeks here. This is not one of them for me. I, uh, I was a donkey uh, until proven otherwise. I am a donkey. I, I am I'm confident in a bounce back this week, but, but not so great for me. What about you and what were some of your observations from this past weekend? Yeah, I'm probably never going to bet on Mitchell Trubisky again. I don't know why I thought that was a that good was idea so last bad. week. We, uh, we got so excited, too. We were so in love. I thought about yeah. you during that game. Uh, I, I bet on Ro Ro Ben Roethlisberger and Mitchell Trubisky. I, I deserve losing those two games. It's just what happens when you, you bet on those quarterbacks, especially, you know, as soon as that game started and you realized I'm betting on Ben Roethlisberger as a six or six and a half point favorite. That seems often you know what? It was off. So, hey, it happens and we're going to learn from it. And we're going to we're going to win this week. I, I, I'm feeling a strong week this week, Adam. I, I am, too. We are natural optimists. So we're going to think that I think my biggest regret, the Buffalo indie game, I was kind of uh, and, you know, I'm more of a contrarian and, and I, the contrarian play was indie there. And I was blinded by the Buffalo vibes of everything else. And I, you know, that's the one that I'm I, I wanted to have back. The, the Bears game was terrible. Oh my God, was that bad? I don't oh, know. No, that game easily could have flipped, right? If Javon yes. Williams catches that ball in the end zone, that could have been a totally different game because all of a sudden the Bears have a lead in that one and their defense plays much differently with the lead. So it, it was a bad beat, but it wasn't like it was completely over, right? I think there was certainly a path to victory there for Chicago. They just didn't capitalize. Yeah, on the topic of, of, of Breeze and Roethlisberger, we'll talk to Kelly Bundy a little bit about old quarterbacks, Tom Brady in that game too, mm. uh, slightly looking slightly less old. We'll talk to her new game day contributor about that. We'll ask her, uh, to pick a super bowl champion. We'll also talk about how, what it takes to go viral, uh, which I, you know, look, we, we could use it, right. We want this podcast to explode. So, uh, I'm going to wash myself free of last week. I'm not going <laughs> to think about it. it took about a, a couple hours to, to, to get it out of my system, it is now. Uh, we are looking onwards and upwards. And on the topic of our latest Super Bowl odds, the Chiefs plus 190 down from plus 225. So, Marcus, the, the further we go, right, the, the less value there's going to be as mm -hmm. long as the Chiefs go. I mean, this is the best price that, that we potentially could see. Uh, the Packers plus 400 down from plus uh, 450. Bills plus 600. Last previous week plus 700. Saints plus 600. Ravens plus 750. Um, actually, Marcus, one more thing because we're looking at these odds and it just triggered a reminder uh, that I wanted to talk to you about. I did it in my winners and losers segment is Seattle. Schottenheimer's oof, out. Oof, oof. What, what do you make of that? Because this is a team when we were talking about Super Bowl odds and it's sort of throughout the year just lower and lower, but there was a point where they were right 
at the top or in the mix there. How do you explain what the heck happened there? Because all the pieces were in place. I, I, I don't quite get it. I've been trying to grasp it myself. Yeah, so this was a Seattle team that started the season off at, what, 5-0, and and there was, like, legit Russell Wilson, you know, MVP buzz. That defense was significantly improved in the second half of the season. But, Adam, I think they're the one team that I can really point out, and the Steelers, that I think they just miss their fans, right? I think Seattle and Pittsburgh are two teams that just feed off that energy. And there's just no way, in my mind, that Jared Goff beats them in Seattle last week if there's 75,000 fans screaming in his ear, right? So I think there are a couple teams every year that play off the emotions of the fans, uh, and especially defensive ones, you know, like, again, like Pittsburgh and Seattle. I guess we should have saw this coming. Well, I think home teams were two and four straight up last week. It's a weird year. I'm not going to take too much away from it, but it it is disappointing for Seahawks fans. Yeah, it is. And and look, they make the change at coordinator. Pete Carroll said they weren't going to make a change. Then they had a a, a disagreement, uh, not on the board, uh, same page for philosophies. Mm. To me, that sounds like a good old fashioned screaming session. And I would pay good money to have seen that meeting, frankly. It sounds like it sounds like one of them wanted to run the ball more. The other one wants to open it up. At least that's the the kind of the outside feel here. Agreed. And um, and also it speaks to, to speaks volumes to what a lot of teams are trying to do right now, whether you're hiring uh, Mm -hmm. an assistant and we're going to focus on head coaching vacancies. I'm a little surprised, Marcus. It hasn't moved as fast as it has. As we record this right now, Jacksonville has a seemingly paused, not just even the organization, but the entire city to wait to see what Urban Meyer does. And so we're going to break this up into a couple of places. Uh, Your best job in the NFL, your worst job. And then we want to talk about the top three candidates. And I was doing some digging right before it came on because this stuff moves so fast that trying to gather who's actually still available, specifically looking at my jets. Of course I am. So first and foremost, the best job available. I I came down to two for me. So I'm very interested to get your take, but what is the best job currently open right now? I think it's a chargers job, right? you've got a franchise quarterback. You've got a ton of playmakers on defense, uh, you've got weapons on offense and you're living in Los Angeles in a city that doesn't care about football and you're in a division with, you know, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. So the expectations are pretty low. So if the next coach can come in, develop Justin Herbert and get them to the playoffs, I think everybody will agree that they've done a good job. So I, I really think you know, a <laughs> team such with an a, amazing underhanded, like backhanded I mean, compliment to the job. I mean, just slap But it is, around. right? If you can get this team to the playoffs, and again, there's seven teams that make the playoffs every year, I think that's going to be considered a job well done. So I would love to live out in Los Angeles and coach Justin Herbert. That sounds fantastic. Okay, I went with the Chargers also, and largely because of Herbert, but also because you've got one of the best pass rushers in football. Mm-hmm. Your receiving group is good. There's a lot there. You got a good. Derwin James is coming back next year. Yes, the great point. Yeah, you've got a lot there. Uh, the Chiefs are the only thing that kind of stinks, but you're right. Expectations for a couple of years, and also like they could have flipped that record around if the coaching Easily. wasn't so bad. Easily. So they're about there. Did you dabble with the Jags? Who would be since we're both in consensus? Uh, who would be your number two? For me, it was the Jags because yep. of Trevor Lawrence, salary cap, draft equity. Right? Would that be your number two also? Yep, exactly. And you have a, you're going to have a franchise quarterback. You're going to have endless amounts of cap space. The weapons really aren't that bad. Like LaVisca Chenault was really good this year. I think a lot of people like DJ Chark, uh, the offensive line could use some help, but it's not impossible to see how this could be a top 12, top 14 offense as soon as 2021. And again, I think there's a chance that by let's say the 2022 season, you already have the best quarterback in the division because who knows what's going to happen to Sean Watson. Yeah, Phillip Rivers is a free agent this year. Ryan Tannehill's good, but I don't think he's a special quarterback. So if you have the best quarterback in the division, you have a bunch of draft picks over the next two years, you could turn that thing around pretty quickly. Uh, also, running back, they nailed it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I spent some time in Illinois state. Love to see Robinson. I mean, that guy was awesome. Awesome. I mean, I the just, I, yes. I, I really like the pieces the only, the only difference uh, for me is Herbert was so good. And we assume that Lawrence is going to potentially be that good or better, which I think is unfair, but Herbert is the guy. And when you have that guy, it's so vital that it, it, it becomes the, the deciding factor. Now I say that I'm going to con- contradict myself 
almost immediately. And I'll go first with the worst job. And I think it's the Texans because I think they have that guy right now. And Deshaun Watson, you mentioned the unhappiness that is really escalating. If it's not for Deshaun Watson, this is a crater of a football franchise at the moment. The cap is a mess. They have no first-round pick. Uh, Watson is unhappy. I dabbled potentially with Detroit here, Marcus, but I just look at everything that a new coach is stepping into, and other than having this quarterback who is incredible right now, I just don't see a lot. It was a pretty actually easy choice for me, as weird as it is to do so with a franchise QB. All right, so here's why I don't think the worst job is the Texans run. Because if you get the Deshaun Watson thing figured out, you've got a top five quarterback in the league, you've got an elite left tackle, and there's pieces on defense. And I know the cap situation is rough, and so are the draft picks, but having that elite quarterback makes a rebuild easier. I think the worst job out there right now is the Philadelphia Eagles job for a variety of reasons. And let's dive into them, right? They're over $70 million over the cap right now. So they're going to have to shed. They're going to have to shed a bunch of contracts. What doesn't help is they don't have a lot of young talent. Like who are the cornerstones of this team? Because all of their good players are into the thirties and they have big contracts like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Those are good players, but they're being paid at the top of the position and uh, they're getting a little older. Uh, then when you don't have a quarterback and you have a city in a franchise that is, you know, they want to compete right now. We know that Eagle front office isn't patient at all. I mean, they just fired Doug Peterson who won a Super Bowl, but three years ago, four years ago. So you're expected to come in right away and compete, you know, with the, the heavyweights in the NFC. And I just don't see it. That roster is terrible. There's not a bunch of draft picks to help you out in the future. There's just no way that I would want that job. I think that would be a high pressure uh, assuming and hoping we get fans in the stands. They're not going to be happy. No. Like that, if you're a head coach, you're like, that's a moment. Um, well, and, and the other you, thing, Adam is, I mean, if you're getting that job, it's most likely because you're telling the front office and the organization that I can fix Carson Wentz. I was right? just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Right. So the expectation is that you're going to make Carson Wentz an elite quarterback again. And if I'm taking that job, I don't necessarily want to be tied down to just him. It is amazing. I think that's a really good pick, by the way. And I think you kind of talked me into to, to maybe bumping that up to number two. It is amazing how fast things can turn if you don't manage your cap well and if you don't draft well. And they haven't done either, frankly, right? I mean, th- right, th- this is right, a team that's right. missed on DK Metcalf and others. I mean, a lot of people did that. But this is a team that has not done that. And I really think the, the Wentz-Jalen Hurts thing is just – my goodness. What, it's, what a, a, it's a bad situation. And, you know, they have the six pick in this upcoming draft. They probably should consider using it at, at quarterback, right? If a yes. Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields is there. But I think this organization is just so tied to Carson Wentz. And it's hard not to be when you give him that, gave him that much money. So it's just, yeah. it's just a rough situation there. Uh, yeah. And the fans will not be happy. Philly fans on Twitter are just yep. my absolute favorite. Um, okay. On, on let's go to the other side of the interview desk and let's talk about top three candidates. So I'll kick it to you first. I would imagine we're going to have some crossover here. Uh, I want to know though, is, is urban Meyer in your top three? No. And we talked about this last week, right? I think he's a little yes. bit of a tease and I think he's a, he's somebody that could come in for a few years and maybe build a culture, but I don't think he's a, a long-term solution. I, I just don't see it. I, I really don't. It's I'm not like he's, he's not bringing an innovative scheme on offense. His best thing is recruiting. That doesn't really work. Doesn't the, the indecision already say a lot, too, Exactly. by yes. the way, doesn't, yes. doesn't the, the fact that this is dragging out say a lot, it, it wouldn't be a bad hire, but, but actually leaving him out of my top three was, was, was pretty easy. Like, and I want to say like the evaluation for this and, and hopefully yours the same way. I'm thinking like, long-term prolonged football guidance, the guy that you're going to hire, you're going to have there for eight to 10 years. If, if such a thing even exists, I guess, in this day and age. So, right. As I say, if you're going to go for a college quarterback, what I'm a college head coach, I like Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern quite a bit better than what I like urban Meyer. I tell you, man, Pat, Pat has the flirtation, I think has gone up. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think he should. I think he's got one of the best gigs on the universe, not just in football in general. I think he would have to be historically bad for like a decade for them to consider firing him. Um, 
And I think a lot of my friends in the area would be really sad about that and it would be bad for them. But he do, it does seem like the intrigue is starting to mount. Uh, I did not put Lincoln Riley on the topic of college uh, uh, potential candidates on this. I think he's happy. I did not include Ryan Day on this because I actually think he'd be a fantastic potential coach. I think he'd be great in the NFL. I love what I've seen from him. Did not include those guys on mine. So your list, uh, one, two, three, why don't you go down yours? I'll give mine and we can just do a little compare and contrast. Yeah. So at number three, I like Eric B I, I know there's a lot of people that believe it's just Andy Reed and that's the reason for the success in Kansas city. B has been around a long time. I would be willing to at least give him a shot. Uh, at number two, I really like Robert Sala. I think there's a specific type of it's my team. number two. Yeah, I think there's a specific type of team he needs to go to, one that needs a tough leader. Uh, and I do think, you know, maybe Detroit is a good spot for him. He's from that area. Uh, and then number one, I like Arthur Smith a lot from the Tennessee Titans. I love what he's done with that offense. I love how he's helped Brian Tannehill. Uh, they were really good over the last two seasons, despite not having a good offensive line. I just think he's one of these creative offensive minds that I want to give a chance to and give him a bigger role. So uh, some similarities, some di- largely different though. So my number three, I struggled with Bienemy and Joe Brady. And I think Joe Brady is early. I, I think are you concerned year- about the age? Because he's pretty young. Yeah, but I think in the NFL, you can kind of mask that by bringing in a couple of veteran mm-hmm. coordinators. And just if the name of the game is groom a quarterback and bring in the system – and like LSU is hiring people that he's tried to talk to over time. Like this system was incredible. So I think if you're a team trying to go the Cliff Kingsbury path, and I understand it, like, like Cliff Kingsbury is probably a bad example because it has not really worked, but I understand it. And I think that's a guy that you could buy now and you'd be in a good position um, for the future potentially. But Again, I, I understand. I had Salah as two uh, before we started recording this, he was interviewing with the jets and I'm like, come on like close the deal. And of course he's leaving and <laughs> going that's to never a good thing. Yep. Yeah. That's never a good thing if he's going. And then I had Brian Dable at my number one. Um, again, okay. a guy I got to know at Alabama a little bit. Uh, I, I just am a huge believer in his philosophy. I love that offense. It helps to have some great pieces that he's had, but the grooming he's done with Josh Allen, uh, Sal is a bit of an outlier for me because it's, um, he, he, you know, it's a defense, it's an offensive time. And that doesn't mean you mm-hmm. can't hire a defensive coach. Right. And I wanted to ask you the same as you're looking at this, how was it hard for you knowing where the game is and where it's going to put in, you know, the defensive minded coaches in there, given like the fact that these successful, hugely successful situations, it seems like the coach and the QB are kind of glued hip to hip. It is it, it, because it's really hard to, to keep a staff that's really good on offense. I mean, look at Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, right? He's been through, I don't know how many different offensive coordinators now, because anytime they're competent, they get interviews for head coaching jobs. So it is really difficult. Uh, there is one more guy that I wanted to mention, and I don't know if he's going to get a job or, or anything like that, but the one that I would interview is David Top. He's a special teams coach in Kansas City. <laughs> Every single year, Kansas City is among the league's best special teams uh, in all phases of the kicking game. We've seen John Harbaugh, a special teams coach, you know, be really successful. The special teams guy, they've got to be familiar with all 53 guys on the roster. They're, con- they're the, yeah. all season long. They're working with new players and stuff. I just think he's really good, and he'd be somebody that would want to sit down with and have a chat for four or five hours about how would you plan on building a team and, and building a dynasty here? Go the, go the judge route. I like it. Good mm-hmm. little curveball in there. Um, okay. So, so we're going to, before we get in, uh, talk to our guests, we'll, we'll transition from coaches to the guys that uh, they're going to hopefully acquire. Right. And it's draft season. Yeah. Marcus, I know you are a draft nut. Uh, my roots are college football. In some ways the draft is home for both of us. Uh, you know, we, we are passionate about it. We love it. And we're going to be doing more and more of this on the podcast in our weekly videos, super excited, excited to get going on the draft stuff. So the season is over. Um, I just want to say in our text chain the other night, if y'all didn't listen to me and and pound Bama, that's on you. Okay. It was a very bad week of NFL football. It was a good Monday night in college football. At least I have that. So real quick, Draft risers. We're going to be getting deep into positions and and diving into this stuff, team needs and all that. But as you as you look at it today, and a lot can change. What are a couple of draft risers that you're looking at that the every man or or woman can target and say, hmm, these are people I should look out for. 
Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit off the national radar because we're not going to talk about Trevor Lawrence and Devontae Smith and all those guys. How about a, a mid-major? How about Zaven Collins from Tulsa? This is a six foot four, 260-pound linebacker that can absolutely fly. We saw him uh, win a game on a pick six earlier Cost this season. Cost me money. Horrifying. Yeah, just- One of the worst losses of the year. <laughs> Overtime pick six, plus five dead. Horrifying. Uh, it was great. And he just... I think he's going to be a fantastic guy in the NFL because he can blitz, he can cover, he can stop the run. Uh, did, uh, what did you see from Zayvon Collins when you saw him this year? I, I think I would say that the average college football fan is already well-known, and this was a great defense. I think he's one of like the elite defensive players in mm-hmm. all of football. And well, because he's from Tulsa, he's, he's I don't from think Tulsa. he's all that well-known yet. That's true. No, you're right. Like Because he's t- from Tulsa – they will, he will largely be dismissed, but I think that's a great, like that guy is phenomenal. And I think his, his numbers where he run what he runs is going to be huge for him, but just pure watching wise, it was one of the best football players period that I saw all year. Yeah. I think he was somebody who early on in the season was viewed as, you know, maybe a potential top 100 pick. And now Adam, I think he's a lock to go inside the top 25 of the draft. So just a, a remarkable season by him. Agreed. All right. Who else you got? I I love it so far, by the way, I'm in thumbs up so far. All right. My next guy is Jalen Phillips, a defensive end from Miami. He wore number 15 this year, actually replaced Gregory Russo who opted out. Uh, Phillips is a guy who transferred over from UCLA sat out the 2019 season uh, because of the transfer rules came in and absolutely dominated. Now, there's some injury concerns here. He, he's had quite an injury history, but in terms of on-the-field production, this might be the best defensive end in the draft, and I don't think a lot of people know of him yet. Uh, once we get into the, you know, when the, all the Twitter scouts and everybody's yeah. starting to watch him, I think they're going to be really impressed. I think he's like 90% of Nick Bosa, who we saw come out of the draft a couple of years ago. Yeah, and um, I mean, this was like the number one high school football player in America. Like, I mean, this was a guy that was hugely coveted the whole thing with UCLA. That was strange. Uh, The other thing that strikes me about him, Marcus, is he just plays really mean as a compliment. Uh, uh, If he can control it, there were times in games this year where like he had to be soothed (laughs) because Mm -hmm. he plays that. But if you're a a defensive coordinator or GM, you're going to look at that and want to invest in that. But in terms of just style and aggressiveness and just gifts. I think it's untapped. If you can stomach the injury stuff, and I agree with you, the guy could be an absolute monster. Yeah, I think even with all the injury stuff, probably still a late first rounder and somebody we really need to keep our eye on over the next couple months. Yes. All right. So give me one more. How about Christian Barrymore, a defensive tackle at Alabama? Didn't start at the beginning of the season, uh, even at the end of the year, still rotated in quite a bit, but uh, he's having a uh, Deron Payne type of rise at Great Alabama where, where stats aren't fantastic, but over the last three or four games, just an absolute monster for teams looking for these hybrid defensive tackles that can play the run and get after the quarterback. I think he's a fantastic fit and would not be surprising at all in a weak defensive tackle class if he's the first one selected in April. I think uh, Alabama didn't have like those, the normal list of well-known dudes, uh, the pains that you mentioned, you know, uh, but, but like the Ashawn Robinson's like you go down the list. It's Jonathan, like Allen. Last, yep. Jonathan yep. Allen. Exactly. Um, you go down the list and, and they, they lack that guy. What became apparent at the end is this was the, the guy. And I think as that defense got better and they played a great game on Monday night against yeah. a really good offense, they were short field. I mean, it was not, that, that was a situation that didn't um, – they were put in some bad situations. I thought he played great. And, and, you know, Marcus, the other thing, the reputation for Alabama has been like they get a lot of mileage on guys, and, and I think Not that's him. gone away. Uh, Derrick Henry, by the way, he seems fine with mileage. Uh, <laughs> but this guy does not have a lot of mileage. I think he'd be I think he'd I think it's a great one. I want to throw a couple to you real quick, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on to our guests. So we've got so many to do. Um, Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end from Ohio State. I, I, and I'll you know, start with the title game was like one of the top tight ends to come out of high school hasn't done a ton in terms of pass catching is widely considered maybe the best blocking tight end in the country. Hasn't declared Mm -hmm. yet. Could come back, but that catch he had, that was like, if you're a blocking tight end, 
and you have a one-handed catch in the national championship, the scouting world changes for you. Right. And I'm wondering what, if you've watched much of him and just your thoughts on him, because he's just a big body would be a great fit at, to complement a a team with maybe a a wide out that you'd stretch or tight end that you'd stretch Mm -hmm. out to wide out quite a bit. Yeah, this is actually a really good tight end class when you have Kyle Pitts, who could potentially be a top 10 pick, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, Brevin Jordan from Miami. And I think right after those guys is where he fits in there because that's the range, you know, that second, third round range of tight ends that can do a little bit of everything. Uh, That's what teams are looking for. So that's a great name. I love it. And then the last one. Uh, and I've got an interesting connection with him is Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech, mm. the offensive tackle. You know, you had a couple of the, the, really the two best offensive linemen in the class opt out this year. And so it became an opportunity. I met him at Fork Union Military Academy. I spent a couple of days there. It was fantastic. And, and at the time, I remember, you know, you, you end up at Fork Union Military Academy grades usually, right? But everybody has a story. Mm. It's been very successful for pipelines like Ohio State, Tech. Great players end up there. I remember watching him in a practice at this military academy and just thinking, like, oh, my God, this guy looks the part. And yet I couldn't judge it because of the competition at the, mm-hmm. in the moment. He had like one of the best seasons, I think, of any player in terms of improving their draft stock because went from sort of an unknown to a really coveted guy, no? Yeah, you need to watch the tape on him. Big number 77. He can get out. He can move. Uh, I was watching a game yesterday where his ability to get out in space and just uh, create running lanes and just move piles. I mean, just fantastic. So it's already a really strong offensive tackle class with Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern who opted out. But I think I think Dereshaw right in that you know teen range would not be surprising if he's a, a top twenty pick and maybe ends up as the best offensive tackle in this class. There's a ton Ooh. of tools there and a lot to like. I, I don't see any way he gets outside the top twenty. Can I just say how giddy I feel inside talking draft? It's just, so great. I, I, it's it great. is. I'm I'm excited. We're gonna have fun. All right. We could talk draft for like two more hours. We'll talk draft for many hours in the months ahead. Uh, but uh, first, let's talk to Callie Bundy. We're going to welcome her in. We're going to talk about going viral, something that Marcus and I need to do at some point or do it again. Uh, and we'll talk about the old QBs, make a Super Bowl bet, and we'll talk to you guys momentarily. Very happy to be joined by a new game day contributor, Callie Bundy. Uh, welcome to the podcast, first and foremost. Welcome to the game day. How's everything been going so far? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So far, so good. I mean, I think I'm, I'm maybe like three weeks in now. So Okay. We won't scare you away. <laughs> yeah, we'll try not to scare you away. I'll make sure Marcus does not. Um, your, your journey here, right? So, so take us through it in terms of, you know, how, what, what you've been doing, uh, obviously the role at game day, but really before that and, and sort of becoming an internet sensation, Marcus, myself, we need tips. And, and a lot of people out there probably need tips also. Um, like tips on like how to go viral. Yeah. How, or- how to go viral. Like what, what, cause, cause if I'm going to go viral, it's probably going to be for something like bad. Uh, so I'm going to avoid that. What would be a good way to go viral? That's actually a good tip though, because there's like two ways to go about it, right? Like in one way is you can be really good. And the other way is you can be really bad. So both of those actually work. Um, In my case, I don't know. It depends probably who you ask if they think I was really good. True, it's the internet. Or really bad. Um, And it was also kind of by mistake. I come from a sports background, but I had gotten into competing in these like fitness competitions and I was really sick of them because I don't know if you know anything about like the fitness competition world, but you just like, you know, especially when you come from a sports background where you can, you know, shoot a basket or score a goal or, you know, hit a home run, right. Where you're in control. Then I went to this very subjective activity you call it I guess um so were you just being judged like for you know oh we're like we like this better or we like that better and so I just wanted to do something fun and athletic again and I had to do this food giveaway so I took a football and I threw it into a box and then I threw it into the box because I couldn't find anyone to throw with me <laughs> so <laughs> so um and i posted it and people went nuts like the reaction was very strong 
Um, so I knew it was something interesting. Um, and it's not, it wasn't new to me. It's something I played. Did you know, did you know that was going to go viral? Like, did you, were you shocked by, like, did you have an idea that like, Hey, this is good content or were you floored by the response? I was, I was, and still am floored by the response because if I, if I knew that it would have gone viral, I would have done it a lot sooner. Like it, it's not a new skill for me. Right. It's something I've been doing. Um, and so I was super surprised by even like me and my brother still like joke about it. Like, we're like, what, why do people like seeing this? We don't know. Um, so I had no idea, but it kind of was like a process, right? So I put one up and then people were like, cause it bounced into the box. Right. And then because it's a football bounced out. So people were like, oh, it didn't even go in. So then I built a target and I threw at it and smashed the target. Right. So like, okay, now you can't like. There's no debating it. Then people were like, oh, I bet you can't throw on the run. And I was like, I don't know. Let's find out. So then I do one on the run, right? And then people were debating that because I did it like off a basketball hoop, backboard into the net. And they're like, the trajectory, there's no way if it hit a <laughs> So immediate haters, as, as the internet <laughs> always produces, is immediate haters. Um, immediate haters. Which is good. That means you're doing something right. Uh, Marcus, if you ever had a tweet that you said <laughs> that has gotten surprising, like people mad or, or happy or engagement that you thought, like, how did this happen? Yeah, I, I did have a tweet go viral two years ago. I was happening. I was watching a, this really awful rom-com with my wife. <laughs> and there was a scene in this movie called The Duff that probably nobody has ever watched. Uh, but Robbie Amell, this actor, was throwing a football in this video, wow. and he was throwing it so terribly uh, that I kind of made fun of it. And I posted it on Twitter, and all of a sudden, the phone just goes off. People are using it as memes, and it's going crazy. And I think we got like 100,000 likes on it. And all of a sudden, this Robbie Amell and his wife start DMing me on Twitter asking me to take it down because it's embarrassing. And it's like, no, this is, this is on TV. It's been on for a while. Uh, so he has to uh, go in the middle of the night. He's shooting this video of him throwing the football to show that he can actually throw it rather than what he, he did on camera. Turn to this big thing, and it, it was great. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> this is all throwing footballs. Yeah. That's the, that's the central theme here. But back up, yeah. I think I've seen that clip. Is it at like a high school field and there's a girl? It's at a high school. It's a really terrible practice. And he's kind of just flipping the I ball. I know exactly well, what I, you're talking. So you were the he, one. He went on the, yeah, I unfortunately I was the one. Then he went on the Dan Patrick show and was explaining that the reason he had to throw the ball like this was because there's like really expensive camera. It's right in front of the shot. So he can't, you know, throw it full <laughs> motion. I just think he was hiding his bad arm. That's I all. was looking for that gif after... I forget what some terrible throw and it, and I think it was a collegiate game. I was looking for it in the gift tool because I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't know that was you, Marcus. Congratulations. That's yeah. Exciting. Thank you. I appreciate wow. it. Again, best moment of my life. So, so Callie, I, you, we are now uh, started following you on Twitter today, actually. And this is a perfect segue to our next topic. I saw you had retweeted the, the breeze and Brady like history channel that Tom had put it, which is, outstanding and also the quality of graphics if you've not seen it go to tom brady's twitter feed it's it's unbelievable although it, it was kind of funny that he has like this full perfect head of hair and and breeze does not so he's got to keep it real um we've talked a lot on this podcast about veteran quarterbacks and beating father time and there are two guys that have done it and then you watch ben roethlisberger it was actually kind of sad, like this, this probably the end of the road or what feels like the end of the road. So as you look at those three guys, two guys that have done it and one that has especially done it, one that is not, what would be your assessment of, of the position and, and how all three of those guys figure in? It, it was sad, wasn't it? Watching, watching Big Ben, like, cause you could see, like, you could see it coming. Like I've gr growing up, like I played sports with people like this that were just like uber talented, right? But they just never wanted to do the other piece of it as far as like the training and the nutrition and all the other stuff involved in it. Cause they're like, well, I'm better than everyone. What does it matter, right? <laughs> and I'm like, because that's just a piece of it. Like if you want to maintain it and you want it to be special and you want it to stay around, like you have to put in the work on the other side. Um, and I think, yeah, when you just, just the eyeball test, 
Um, yes. Yeah, um, it's very nice, okay. by the way. That's the, very polite, and I we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and I think you can you can see this in everyday life, right? Like with people that you know they're. Um, you know, at 20, everyone looks great, right? Like at 30, everyone, okay. And by 40 people start, you're like, oh, oh, I see what's going on here, right? And you can really start <laughs> to see the difference because, you know, that um, youthfulness that if it's not, um, you know, fed the right things, like I always say, food is the biggest drug. Um, and that all starts on this cellular level, right? And and these guys like Brady and Breeze, like anything that you've ever read about their nutrition, they're all doing the same thing. Even Rogers, right? Like they're, they're all on the anti-inflammatory diets. They're all, you know, staying away from sugar, staying away from processed foods, staying away from dairy. And anything that, that I've ever read about Big Ben is more of like a yo-yo dieter, right? Where they're, they're not really considering like the, the actual you know, micronutrients in the foods, right? Like it's more of just like, he's like, oh, I cut out some carbs because I need to lose 15 pounds because my knees hurt, right? Where it's not, that's not going to affect you on the cellular level, right? So yeah, you're going to lose some weight. You're going to feel a little better, but your cells and because everyone has two different ages, right? Um, you have your, your age that's on paper and then you have your actual cellular age. And then there are two different numbers. And there's actual, like there's science and everything that backs this up. I don't get into it, but you can actually have that test done and you can find out what your cellular age actually is versus your actual age. Big Ben has not, the field has also not been very kind to him, regardless of how he's taken care of himself. I guess, you know, Marcus, we, we've, I think we've, you know, address the veteran QBs, probably every episode we've done in some capacity, when you saw that, and when you see now Brady and Breeze uh, matching up, what do you, what are your thoughts? You, it's, it's pretty amazing, frankly, at this point, as a tortured Jets fan to see Brady doing what he's doing and others the same age or, or, or far younger, just, you know, not capable of, of pulling it off. Yeah. It's just surprising how fast these guys can turn into pumpkins overnight. Right. Like Ben Roethlisberger was legitimately getting some MVP talks halfway through the season. And then I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden he turned into one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And I remember when this happened with Peyton Manning, right in 2013, he was the MVP of the league by 2015. They were benching him for Brock Osweiler in games. Like it happened overnight. At least it seemed like so it can happen to Brady. It can happen to Breeze. I do think those guys take care of their bodies a little bit better than like a Roethlisberger and they're just, able to extend their prime just a little bit. They're able to extend their prime and I think they win in other ways, right? <laughs> Roethlisberger for most of his career won by being able to absorb contact and bounce off defenders and make big plays down the field. He was really never somebody who we called, you know, a great, you know, pocket passer or one with accuracy where that's the case with Breeze and, uh, you know, Breeze and Brady, they can win with their intelligence. And even if their arm decreases a little bit, they're still fine. It's not surprising that those two guys are still playing at an elite level. I, I, I guess I can. Yeah. That. I remember Peyton Manning when he just hit that wall, like the father time wall. And it was so hard to watch. Like it was, it was really like, Oh my, I mean, that came to a screeching halt from like productive video game numbers to, his shoulder doesn't look right. He can barely move. And yeah, again, tortured Jets fan, but, but credit to, to Brady and Breeze and, and Roethlisberger, frankly, given the hits that he's taken, look Absolutely. at a guy like Cam Newton, who is built uh, like an Atlas statue, who now is, is starting to fall apart just based off the way he played. Uh, Callie, we'll, we'll uh, leave you with this. We're going to give you $500 uh, podcast dollars, and we are going to let you bet on any team to win the Super Bowl. Where are you, where are you taking that money? Who are you backing? This is such a hard question because there's like, you know, who will most likely win the Super Bowl? And then there's who I want to see win the Super Bowl. So, and I feel like they're two different answers. Where are you going to make money? I guess, I, it, I, I, exactly, I guess yeah. Marcus and my, our hearts are, are dead. We are, we see dollar signs uh, uh, unless it's our crappy sports teams, but even that <laughs> loyalty is dead, right? We're in it to make money. So where, where can, where do you think the best money-making 
uh, you're loyal and we appreciate that. But where are you going to make that money? I'm actually, I mean, I'm I'm a Pats fan. So. Oh, I... no. <laughs> Just killed Adam. <laughs> Every guest has some sort of negative connection to the Jets in some very odd natural capacity. It's it's fine, though. I'm okay with it. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I'm loyal, but I'm also realistic, right? So, yes. Um, and so my, this is actually my pick would not be very loyal to the Pats, but I really want the Bills to win. I love mm. it. And You're everyone's like, how can train. you say that being a Pats fan? And what? I'm like, well, keep it in the fans. Like, if it can't be the Pats, how about the Bills? And I mostly just want to see, and I know you guys want this to be up money and making money. So, yes, you can make money. But I mostly want to see Bills Mafia go off when they win a Super Bowl. That's a good, like, that's one, though, where loyalty and money, I get it. Like, that's, it's, it's the Bills. It's flying people through flaming tables. It's like a tortured franchise. Uh, Marcus, we've assessed the Bills at length. After mm-hmm. the indie game, I guess your quick snapshot. What what are the chances that Cali's money turns into to to much more of it? I don't feel great about the Bills right now because their defense was just absolutely atrocious oh against the Colts last week. They're the only team in NFL history to allow every single drive to get into their own territory. <laughs> See, they don't have a pass rush. Zach Moss, the running back, is going to be out. I love what Josh uh, Allen is doing, but. I think the Ravens are really, really dangerous. And at plus 700 right now to win the Super Bowl, Baltimore with that head coach, with that veteran defense, I think that's where my bet's going, Callie. Oh, boy. It is See, supposed Callie? to snow in Buffalo. And Lamar Jackson has never played in the snow, ever. That's okay. Just give the ball to J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and ride that running game, and they'll be just fine. Being really cold – it's a different, it's a game changer. Well, we know that. I mean, we trust me, I live in Erie, Pennsylvania. Being really hot would be a game changer for us at this point. But um, yeah, no, it, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm so torn on the bills. And we'll, Marcus, we'll talk about it in picks. But I, I do love, I would love to see it. I really like everything mm-hmm. they put together. And I'll say this, I think your, your bet is still live and, and we do appreciate it. Um, Callie, I, we're, we're really excited to have you. We're, we're probably going to be doing this again and again. Um, where can we find you? Not just on the game day, but, but Twitter, Instagram, where else can we check, check out what you're doing? Yeah. You know, all, all the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all at Callie Bundy. Um, awesome. Doing, you know, random things throwing footballs at things and <laughs> talking nonsense i talk a lot of trash good Love yeah <laughs> fantastic well then you'll fit in here as well um well kelly thanks again for joining us and uh we will talk to you soon appreciate it awesome thanks guys all right coming up next let's pick some playoff games we appreciate Callie dropping by, uh, talking about going viral, talking a little Super Bowl bets, uh, talking about old QBs, one of our favorite topics. But Marcus, it is time to make some picks. It is time for me uh, to produce a bounce back. And I will say uh, this first game isn't necessarily the one I have the most confidence in. So I'm hoping maybe you could steer me and convince me. Uh, Rams at Packers, Packers minus six and a half over under 45 and a half Rams 11 and six, 10 and seven against the spread green Bay 13 and three, 11 and five against the spread. And the Packers have been good against the spread of late covering five of six. You know, Marcus, this was the Sean McVay special. You're down mm. to your second QB. He gets hurt. Jared Goff uh, comes in and I got to give him a lot of credit. We, we rip him when he plays bad. He had a couple of throws that looked like they were headed to outer space because of his thumb. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. NFL is crazy. And, and that's a pretty gutsy performance, even if he didn't play perfect. Aaron Donald goes out. Um, man, I mean, just an amazing performance. I think it's good to have questions about those guys that we're talking about. But still, the, the Rams prove they can win games in a lot of different ways. Yeah, earlier this week, I ranked the top five head coaches in the NFL. Not surprisingly, Sean McVay at number three. But still, I can't pick the Rams to, to cover this game. If it was at seven or seven and a half, I think I would lean that way. But at Packers minus six and a half, I can just envision them winning by a touchdown. 
Aaron Rodgers is just playing outside of his mind right now. Uh, the defense, I think, is going to be good enough to slow down Jared Goff. So I, I do like the Packers to cover the spread this week, especially with the week off. I think the Aaron Donald story is tough because if you're Seattle, who was offensively challenged, they couldn't take advantage and mm-hmm. they haven't been able to really take advantage against anybody. But, but, but even Aaron Donald, if he plays, do you think he's going to be right? Like, no. you know what I mean? And that's the big key for me. Uh, I think they're getting a lot of respect, but I do side with you with the Packers here. It feels a little too easy. Um, it feels a little bit like my Bills uh, indie pick, which you you faded the other side. So I'm 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 a little bit hesitant. I, I want to naturally go contrarian. Well, I gave golf credit last week. Some of the throws were ugly, and that thumb's not going to be fixed. I think in a week. I still think they've got guys cup as well. There's just, this is a team that's really outplayed what it probably should given all the injuries. This feels like a moment where you need to be hundred percent and then some to compete with the Packers. So I, I, I agree with you there. Yeah. Can I also say this is my favorite storyline from this game is Jared Valdier started at left tackle for the Colts last week. Uh, but because he was on their practice squad, the Packers were able to sign him and he's starting at left tackle for the, uh, for the Packers this week uh, with David Bakhtiari tearing his ACL a couple of weeks ago. They needed somebody like Jared Valdier. He's going to be great in this game. He was in the previous week. I think that offensive line is going to be able to contain Aaron Donald and the rest of those guys well enough to give, Uh, Aaron Rodgers time to find open receivers. All right. So we are in agreement. We have a team for a parley, even though we don't have a ton of games for a parley. uh, We at least have one as a starting point. We'll see if we can add a couple. We'll see if we'll add one here. Ravens versus bills bills minus one over under 50 Marcus. If you would have told me that this spread would have been one five weeks ago, I would have thought you were crazy, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of where the, the Baltimore has been trending. Baltimore 12 and 5, 11, 5 and 1 against the spread. Bills 14 and 3, 11 and 6 against the spread. Ravens have now covered seven in a row. Okay. Early on in that, um, I thought it was just bad teams. It's no longer just bad teams. They're beating, well, there's some fraudulence in potentially the last win too. Yeah. Um, but the line here tells me they have a lot of respect. Uh, Bills had covered eight in a row before losing it against the spread against Indy. My hat tip for you for having Indy here. Do Indy should have won that game, by Absolutely. the way. Okay, so so we're in agreement. Like that was a botched job in so many ways. Again, coaching theme this week, brutal last week. So what do you take from that into this game? Yeah, Indianapolis should absolutely won that game. You know, they missed a 33-yard field goal. They had a fourth and two where they threw it in the end zone and didn't convert. Uh, they they should have won that game. And actually, it makes me feel a little uh, less than ex- excited about this Bills team. I'm taking the Ravens here. I think once Lamar got that first playoff win, I think the some of the weight's going to be lifted off his shoulders, right? And he's going to play looser. Buffalo's defense, especially their run defense, looked really bad uh, against the Colts. And I expect I expect Baltimore in the snow to be able to run the ball. Harbaugh is a fantastic coach. Their defense has the corners to match up with Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley a little bit. I think this is going to be an ugly uh, fist fight, but I'm taking Baltimore to win. I'm going to ride with the Bills, and I'm going to do so a little bit reluctantly. I think uh, it was great to see Lamar be Lamar. Uh, I don't know what that was for Buffalo. I still have confidence that they can pull this off. That confidence has been leaking a bit. Um, Indy had a good game plan. They Mm -hmm. grinded it out. Uh, We saw that Buffalo offense struggle a bit at times. I will say this, even though I like Buffalo, this is a Josh Allen play. Uh, You've got two quarterbacks that you're relying so heavily on in this game. And if one of them is not playing well, you're going to lose, right? And and Josh Allen had some moments there that felt very Josh Allen-y. Uh, it worked out for the most part. That play at the end zone, by the way, was just oh, absolutely yeah. crazy. I mean, what a, what a freak. I mean, he is. So I still think Lamar, um, if he can do that and they're going to let him run wild, which I don't necessarily think they're going to do, uh, then then Baltimore's going to win. That's the game plan. When when Lamar does that, it's, it's Louisville, right? I mean, it's a yeah, beautiful thing to watch. I don't think it'll be that. I think it'll be a great game. Probably the most excited I've been for a playoff game, certainly this year. And, and I think obviously a case can be made for, for all side. I wanted to get involved in the total, but I'm a little bit with you. I could see this game being fistfight-esque. 
where I'm going to, I'm going to back away from it, weather, Buffalo, all of those things kind of scared me away. Do you have a, do you have a vibe on the total at all? Uh, no, I think I'm just going to take the under here just because I think it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty low scoring, tough physical game. Adam, I have a question for you. So yes. this is the Saturday night game. So the chiefs are going to be watching this game. Who do you think Kansas city wants to win this game? That's a great question. I, I think the, I think they're going to answer that when they watch. Um, you know what I mean? Like seriously, yeah, I think you'll know got, right away. I right? think you'll know if Lamar is doing his thing again, I think the defensive staff is going to tell you pretty cleanly, like let's, let's play Buffalo. Um, so, but, but I think that will come in real time because at this point, the spread f- speaks volumes. It's a, it's a great point though. And I think the, the dicta- the, the tone of the game will dictate that. All right. So Marcus, you've got Baltimore. Yep. You've got the bills. We're going head to head. We'll get back on track perhaps in this next game. Browns versus Chiefs minus 10, uh, the biggest number on the board. And frankly, that's a huge number for this deep at the playoffs over under 56, also a big number. Cleveland 12 and 5, 7 and 10 against the spread. Kansas City 14 and 2, 7, 8, 1 against the spread. Kansas City has covered one spread since November 8th. Right. This is, this was kind of a cute conversation in one of my winners and losers. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, The Browns win 48, 37 over the Steelers. Uh, Marcus, I saw your mentions uh, (laughs) were fun uh, on Twitter as you were getting involved and saying, you know, the Steelers could come back and win this. I'm going to be honest though, as much grief as maybe you got and you know, the internet never, never disappoints. They never forget. I'm I'm with you. Like that game was still uncomfortable for as padded as it was and I can't escape that when I'm trying to look at this game. That Browns defense is still really bad. Yeah, so I obviously live in Erie, Pennsylvania, not too far away from all these Steeler fans. So I picked Pittsburgh to win last week, and I had a lot of money riding on Pittsburgh, not only to win the game, but to come out of the AFC. And Adam, I was actively rooting against my bets in that game. So I, I just I just had a feeling that Cleveland wasn't going to be able to stop this comeback in. Listen, if Mike Tomlin doesn't punt the ball on fourth and two, who knows how that game goes. But in regards to this one, I think it's a great story that Cleveland won last week. It took four turnovers in the first seven minutes of that game to get them off to a hot start. Playing Kansas City is a totally different story. And if I set the over-under at 350 passing yards for Patrick Mahomes in this one, probably the the same bets to take the over because – that Cleveland secondary can't stop anybody. I think a push is pretty likely here, but I'm going to take Kansas City, hoping they cover the spread late. My my dad, who who all of a sudden is is into betting the NFL, has been like, he was at the middle point of the Pittsburgh Cleveland game, was calling me like, just tell me what the spread is, and I'm taking. Yeah, so the it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, it's like Steelers, great. Steelers plus 1100 <laughs> yeah. money line. How yeah. much do I put on it? <laughs> yeah, my dad is not a professional tout, by the way. Uh, he is just a guy. But but at the same point, I kind of have the same thought. Now Cleveland's getting people back, getting people back mm-hmm. in the secondary, and seriously, like that's an amazing win considering what that team Fantastic. has gone through. Yes. But I like the Chiefs, uh, and I we we talk about the the Chiefs' record against the spread. I am of the opinion, as I've dissected that more, that this is a team that has been largely disinterested in winning football games by a large margin. This is real time now. It's go time. And I think as much as Cleveland has gotten back, and look, man, this could be a Nick Chubb game. I mean, they've got some fun pieces. This is is just a different level entirely. And and Marcus, I kind of like the over two. I I, I was going to ask you about this total. I do think the Browns will put up some points. I think the Chiefs are going to put up a lot of points. Like Chiefs may cover 40 of that, in my opinion. Yeah, and just remember last year what happened in this divisional round game, right? Kansas City had the bye, and they came out really flat, and it was 24-0 before the game even got started. And what happened? Kansas City still covered that monster spread because – this is what they do, right? They can get hot on offense. And if they have an eight minute stretch where they get hot, there's nothing you can do about it. It reminds me of like the, the old golden state warriors with Steph Curry and clay Thompson, where man, this can turn into a blowout in the blink of an eye. So Cleveland, it's a great story. You have a fantastic team. You're probably not going to cover this week. No, I think, I think the chiefs wake up in a big way. And I think at the end of this, you know, you you asked who they, who they want to play. I don't know if they care. I think they're that kind of, matter. that kind of mindset. And and yet we'll see what comes out of the other uh, AFC game. All right. Last one. Uh, 
fa- fascinating game, given, given the fact that we're seeing these two teams for the third time. Uh, we've got the Saints. They are three-point favorite at home versus the Bucks, over under 52. Tampa Bay, 12-5, and 8-7-2 against the spread. Saints, 13-4, and 10-7 against the spread. Uh, the Saints won both of these games straight and against the spread. Uh, granted, the first one uh, was the first game of the year, mm-hmm. right? Tom Brady, five interceptions in those games, has looked old, right? He's had a couple of throws that we talked about that fluttered. Some of the worst throws of his life have come mm-hmm. in these in this game this year. And and I look at those results, Marcus, and I'm not sure how much I can do with them. That's the that's the the struggle I'm having with this game is, do they have their number? Look, the Saints D look great. But you mentioned it in the top of the pod. Like, is this a Mitch Trubisky thing or is this a Saints thing? I don't trust Drew Brees right now. Like some of the passes that he was throwing in that game, the balls were just fluttering to the sidelines and it seemed like they took forever to get there. And I think this Tampa Bay team is pretty much I mean, they're a different team than what we saw halfway in the season. Antonio Brown has actually changed that offense. Rob Gronkowski making plays down the middle of the field. I'm still worried about that defense because Taylor Heineke, Heineke, however you say his name. I struggled with that on winners and losers, by the way. Yeah, I had, I think to, it's go Heineke. To, I had to go to YouTube. It is Heineke. Yeah. Uh, Mike Chirico, shout out, help me out to get it right. But but they can't do that. Like no. Drew Brees can't, like his best plays were extending. That's what Heineke did so well was, escape, yeah. you know, getting out of the pocket. You know, he had like 50 yards rushing. And what are you going to have Taysom Hill just run around like crazy? It's not going to produce the same result. No, I think these are two very similar teams. And because, again, the no home field advantage really with no fans, I don't know if it matters that much. Brady is going to be able to go into the, in the Superdome and be able to have uh, complete control of that offense with audibles and everything. I'm taking Tampa Bay plus the three points. These teams are, again, they're just so similar that just give me the points just in case something weird happens. I'm going to go under here. And, and I think that, you know, I asked you, is it Mitch Trubisky? Is it the defense? It's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think Tampa's defense can play well. That Heineke situation is actually interesting. And as weird as it sounds, that's another game that Tampa Bay's defense probably had no idea. And all of a sudden, this dude's running around. Also probably made himself some some money. Shout out to him. Um, and, and just kind of surprised them. He played great. Yes, like, he played great. And as weird as that sounds... I don't know if they're not going to get that kind of output from Breeze. Like, it, I know that sounds funky saying, you know, you're going to have to, you're in a better situation facing Drew Breeze versus Heineke, but the, Drew Breeze cannot do those things. And I think yeah, the give, offense I was say, is going give, to be limited. Give me the under as well. I like that. I think you convinced me. I, I, I just think there's going to be some nerves early in this game. These defenses are going to be jacked up. They're both really good when they can be, especially in the front four. I, I envision this being, again, something like a, a seven to three start with the first 25 minutes of the game. So I like the under as well. I don't know how, how much the whole Brady performance, how, how do you approach that as a handicapper? Because it it was so bad and, and consistent across the two that I'm, I'm going to wash myself of it because it's Brady. Mm. If it was probably somebody else, I'd say, Hmm, it's a problem. And yet they, they kind of owned him (laughs) pretty, pretty specifically in that game. I'm just going to throw away the first game because it's, a, you know, with no preseason. Game, new team. Yep. Fair enough. Now, the second game was a little concerning. But again, Brady, he's one of these quarterbacks that saves things for the playoffs. Like, he's not going to take any additional hits in the regular season if he doesn't have to. He's not going to be throwing balls to Gronkowski down the middle of the field that could potentially injure him. But now that we're in this stage of the playoffs, there's no holding back. And I think he's going to hang in the pocket a half a second longer if he has to make a throw. He'll take one to the chin if he needs to complete a pass to Chris Godwin across the middle. I think he's going to play well in this game. Yeah, I think he'll play better too. By the way, Chris Godwin, boy, the drops. That was, it was um, not a great game. Not a great game. You see his hand, it's all taped up. You can yeah. kind of understand it, but yeah, yeah it was, it was rough. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm being, yes, I'm being a harsh, a bit, a bit harsh here as we often are. All right. So our not so big parlay, which for four games has some has some teeth. It has some some legs here. So we've got the Packers, uh, we've got the Chiefs, and we're gonna ride with the under in Bucks Saints. That's twenty five to win one hundred and fifty seven. This is the most realistic, not so big big parlay that we've had so far. I feel good about this. Although last time we had the Bears, we're gonna again we freed ourselves, we washed ourselves of all that. I think it's gonna happen. I think I think we got a shot here. 
Yeah, we're betting on Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and then Drew Brees and Tom Brady being really old. So that's it works for me. It's better than Mitch. Okay. It's better than <laughs> it's better than Mitch, which isn't saying much. Uh reminder, guys, uh check out our debates. Uh, you know, really some fun conversations about coaching and draft. Uh, as the NFL season starts to morph into the offseason and draft season, we're going to try and do all of it at once, which is going to make for a lot of really good discussions. Uh, was was great uh, having our guests on, a new game day contributor uh, to talk about, to get Kelly to talk about, got into the science uh, portion of Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. which uh, probably suboptimal for Ben, but great and fun to listen to a bit. And then uh, to get these picks, um, you know, share it with everybody. We have fun here. We try to mix both analysis uh, as well as keep it lighthearted, move things along, and check out thegameday.com to do your own shopping online and see what affiliates have to offer. Marcus, any other takeaways here heading into another fantastic, fun playoff weekend? One of the best weekends of the year. No, this is just my favorite football week of the season because we get the eight best teams. This usually produces you know, some of the best contests we have all year long. Uh, it's great for gambling. We've got two games each day. You can really hone in on these games, make some great parlays. Uh, it's just a great weekend of football coming up. I, I can't wait. Bounce back for me. Uh, <laughs> overloaded with the Super Wild Card Weekend. Four games, uh, more of my flavor. And again, a reminder, guys, we've got all sorts of fun content uh, coming up with, with the draft, with the offseason, and, of course, leading into the Super Bowl. Check out the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. For Marcus Bozier, I'm Adam Kramer. We'll talk to you guys next week.